Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. You guys ready for some gospel? Let's get it. Let's get it. Man, 2022. Anybody glad that 2021's gone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just put it out there now, just like. <laughs> I was telling our team in prayer this morning, you know, your 2022 will look just like your 2021 if your thinking in 2022 looks just like your thinking in 2021. Right? On a tweetable, you got one right there. I just gave you a good one, right? <laughs> Nothing changes until your thinking changes. Just getting to some gospel with you here. Um, I don't even know why I got this thing opened up. I don't got no notes on it, but it just makes me look like a, a preacher, right? Um, I think I'm going to begin to talk around a thought called captivated. Everybody say captivated. And uh, guess what it's going to be about? Even simpler than union. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, gospel, kingdom, that's right, right? Remember that Jesus only gets boring in the American church. Heaven is enthralled with him. Um, for some reason in church, we, we get tired of talking about Jesus. I never will. And uh, if, you, if you get tired of hearing about Jesus, you're probably not at the right church. Um, but there's some churches that put on amazing shows in this city, and I would encourage you to go be a part of one of them. And they're pretty awesome too, let me tell you what. I've been to a lot of them. But I, I want to be effectuated by the person of Jesus all the days of my life. And uh, some stuff that we've been learning, we've been learning about union, some things that we've learned about, and I hope it's been encouraging to you. And we'll, we'll, I'll keep touching these till the day that I die. Remember this one? You cannot get closer to God. Remember that? How can you get closer to God than what Jesus has done for you? Now, because of Jesus... He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So you are now in Christ. As a follower of Jesus, you don't get closer to God. You recognize how close he is to you. I would take off my beanie, but I would scare everybody in this room right now if I did that. But that's really, really good news. Um, I took off my beanie the other day. I was, I, I was up here yesterday just trying to spread salt in the parking lot. I'm telling you, it was freezing. Like, my fingertips were like, please stop. Like, hire this out or something, you know? And I got in the car and I took off my beanie. And Honor's looking at me like, I'm like, boy, get your eyes off me. Like, play with your iPad or whatever you got doing, right? So, looked like a messed up rooster or something. I don't know what I had going on there, but. So, you can't get closer to God. And we, if you want to know more about that, just go follow our podcast. Two, you can never die to yourself. Remember, you've heard that taught in church a lot of times because we take, we take text out of context. And remember what happens. What do you get when you take a text out of context? You get a con. You get a con. How can you die to yourself better than the death that Jesus already died for you? Quit trying to outdo what Jesus has done. If you're trying to outdo or do something better for you than what Jesus has done, one, you're never going to do it. Two, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be exhausted. I go to a lot of churches and I see people, they're trying to sing it up 
in a certain way. They're, I mean, they're giving their alms back to the Lord or whatever you want to call it. And they're doing it hoping, you know, to, to get God's favor as it were. What do your kids got to do to get your favor? Nothing. They have it. You can't get God's favor. You are favored and flavored by God. You are the salt of the earth. You have a flavor about your life. So you can't die to yourself. You don't got to try to get closer to God. Um, you, you live from this awareness. This is why it's the new covenant. This is why your Bible is divided into two parts. And most of us have never had a person sit down and tell you why. Why we struggle over things like, am I really forgiven? You can't be forgiven today and not forgiven tomorrow. You can't be forgiven today and not forgiven tomorrow. The blood never gets taken off of your life. You get, only two kind of people on the planet, those that know their sons and those that don't know their sons. So we have to waken people up to the truth that's already been accomplished to them by way of the cross. It's called the finished work of the cross. Right? And so... For us, the gospel has been coming alive. I, I still, not, not, not weekly, but there's not three weeks that goes by now of my life that somebody's not reaching out to me saying something about, man, this thing is real. Like something's coming alive in me. And I want to share some truth about you, about why our faith should be captivating to people. Captivating to people. I spent some time this week talking to somebody about their life and they, they're doing some things they know they shouldn't be doing put their faith in Jesus, but they have this, watch this, this sin cycle that keeps repeating. They can't figure out why. And I said, you know what? Even though sin's dealt with, it will mess up your life if you play with it all the time. Jesus dealt with that on the cross and you keep choosing to build your house around, it's going to destroy your life. And we're going to talk about some stuff that hopefully will bring a lot of freedom to us. But I want to talk about what about our faith is actually captivating it started 2,021 years ago, and there really shouldn't be much difference in it today in regards to how it attracts people. Let's talk about it. Matthew chapter 5, Kaylee. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4. Let's look there. Is that right? Yeah. Let's, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. And we'll probably jump around a lot. I'm reading from the New King James. I'm one of those guys, I may not even open my Bible like when I start talking, but I'll, I'll quote a lot of scripture to you just to make it a legal, a legal service for some of us. You know those people that don't believe you, you don't believe you had a church service unless you read the Bible? You can quote 37 verses, but you didn't read from the Bible. God bless them, everyone. Matthew 4 and 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say what? Come on, one more time. What did he say? Why? For the kingdom of God, or heaven... Is at hand. Heaven is where it's at. God is where it comes from, right? But because they were not allowed to say God, and Matthew is writing predominantly to a Jewish community, he couldn't say God, so he always says heaven. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, that's one person, by the way, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Follow Come on, say, follow me. follow me. And I will. Come on, and I will make you. 
Watch this. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Now let's look at Mark's gospel. Don't know where it is yet. I'll find it. Mark's gospel chapter. I tell you, I'm going to find it. I may not find it. This is why you shouldn't use 37 different Bibles like I use either. Like, go to my house. You might trip over a Bible walking in the front door. That's a good one, but that's not the one I want. Matthew, Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 13. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 13. This is Jesus calling the twelve. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him... Those he himself wanted. Watch this. He called to him those he himself wanted. He called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That they might what? Be with him. So that he would what? Send them out to preach and have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Uh, Another quick testimony. Um, The last service that we had of the year in here. I got to pray for a gentleman. Uh, at the service, I saw he had a he had a some kind of wrap on his arm, and I asked him what happened. He said he had a motorcycle accident. So I asked him to pray for him, which he said yes. Um, I didn't pray a long prayer with him. I just said, you know, um, Jesus said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I said, there's no such thing as a hurt arm in heaven, so it shouldn't be on the earth. That's a powerful revelation. Anything in your life that won't be that way when you get to heaven, by way of revelation, you have right to tell it to go. Most of us are too comfortable with things that won't be that way when we get to heaven. Listen, listen. And so um, I shared that with him. I said, you believe it? He said, yes. I prayed with him. I asked him to move his arm. And he, he kind of moved his, this part of his shoulder a little bit. He didn't have any pain, so he just slid it down a little bit. And he began to move his arm. Before long, he was moving it all the way around. And his wife was like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. And he just bust out crying. Um, and I said, sir, that's what we call the gospel, which means good news. And he kind of he rolled that thing up nice and neat and put it in his wife's purse. And they went to their car, and I thought, Jesus is absolutely beautiful, right? The gospel's real. Everybody say captivated. Andy Stanley Andy wrote a book. I highly encourage you to go get it and gorge on it for the next month. It's called Irresistible. Irresistible. If you don't read, you don't lead. All leaders are readers. All leaders are readers. Andy Stanley wrote a book called Irresistible. You need to get it and gorge yourself on it. It's one of the few books I found that actually talks about that. This is a Baptist guy, by the way. He, but he talks about the difference between the old and the new covenant. It just blows you away. I'm just telling you. If you don't, if you, if you don't want to be, if, you, if you're afraid of being offended, don't get the book. Keep doing what you're doing. But I'm telling you, it'll change your life. He tells a story. And in this story, he opens up. He took a trip to China with his son. And they were just going to tour this leather factory. He had a friend that owned this leather factory, and the friend gave him a two-hour tour. And after about two hours, they go back to his office. But he had a young lady that shadowed them on the tour. She was a factory worker, and she had worked herself up from the factory floor to really being the manager um, of this specific leather factory. And so he asked if she could shadow them, of which um, Andy said yes, and so she shadowed them. At the end of it, uh, the friend asked, Andy, you got any questions? And he you know, he said, I don't, I don't have any questions. And, uh, but the young lady said, can I, can I ask a question? This is the manager of the leather factory. And he says, sure. 
and she asked Andy, she says, I got a question for you. How good is good enough? And he says, excuse me? She says, how good is good enough? And he says, why do you, why, what are you asking me? And she says, are you a pastor? That's a dangerous question if you're in China. He said, for all I knew, she could have been an undercover policeman um, sent to spy on us, and I just got myself in a lot of trouble. He said, so I was hesitant to answer, but he said, I felt like I was supposed to. And he says, yes, I, I actually I am a pastor. She says, I recognize your voice. I got a CD of yours a couple of years ago from a friend of mine, and you were preaching a sermon series called How Good is Good Enough. And he was like, wow. Um, he said, yeah, that's me. Um, and so they had a, a little bit of a conversation. And, and she asked her boss, can I ask him another question? And he says, yeah, ask away. And she says, why come in America people don't, don't go to church? Why come everybody doesn't go to church in America? And he says, I still haven't recovered from that question yet. This was many years ago. They got into a conversation. Essentially, she said, I got your CD set, and Jesus found me. Understand, nobody in this room found Jesus because Jesus wasn't lost. Overwhelming response, Pastor Josh. That was good. Understand, nobody in this room found Jesus because Jesus wasn't lost. Lost sheep don't find a shepherd. Lost coins don't find the owner. She said, Jesus found me, and I gave my life to him. She's in China. Once again, they can't essentially publicly really worship, not in the way that we do. They have what they call underground churches in China or what, what, what the Chinese government would call unregistered churches. She said, the closest one to me is two hours away. And when I can, I take a bus to get there, and I take a bus back. And we all meet in this room, not half as cool. This is a very old church building, if you didn't know it. There's some amazing churches. They look like theatrical places. They're beautiful. Hers wasn't like that. And she said, Novelin, that I take that two-hour bus trip when I can, and it's always great, but I can't always go. We can't always have a church service. We can't always gather and read a Bible. We can't sing a song, but I go when I can. I can't understand why everybody in America doesn't go to church. And he said he still hadn't recovered from that question. And the books begins to unravel out of that question into some breathtaking, shocking, very convicting truths to me about my faith. And I want to talk to you about why what we believe is supposed to be captivating. I had a conversation with Chris this morning before church started. And I said, you know, we're not supposed to be trying, watch this, to attract Christians to what we do. Okay. I don't think Jesus was trying to start, you know, a Christian club. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't, I don't get that when I read the scripture. If I'm honest, I think a lot of what we do in America is that we try to attract Christians to what we're doing. As if the bigger it gets, the more success we're having. 
And if it's bigger, and if it's more successful, and if we're making more money, and God forbid if our church becomes popular and we get, we, you know, we go viral, and then you, gotta, you get a hip, hip pastor, which I may look like one today, but I promise you I'm usually the, probably the most best dressed, overdressed guy in our church a lot of times. Then if all those things happen, we, be, we become a success. However, if we are living out our faith in and through Jesus the way that the Bible says we should be, I think the people that we are attracting will actually look more like the people that he attracted. They call Jesus in the Bible a glutton <laughs> or a wine bibber. They called him this label, Tiffany. They said, Luke calls him the friend of sinners. Well, I grew up, but God was anything but a friend of sinners. We were evangel ev let me see. Evangelical terrorists is what we were. We, the way, <laughs> I'm trying to be really, really nice. I got people from my county back in this room today. <laughs> the way we shared the gospel, it really wasn't good news. Yes, yes. God was actually out to get you. Uh -huh. He wasn't out to get you. He was out to get you. <laughs> we didn't view him as Father God. Watch this. We treated him rather as if he was the Godfather. And man, we made it by rules. <laughs> I struggled. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in church. I struggled for the 18 years I went to church at home because I could not keep the rules. Does anybody bear witness with that? At least how I grew up. And I, I, I struggle, West, because I thought, what if God views me through my failure, even though I'm doing my best to live up to these rules they keep putting on me? Which is why when Jesus came to the earth, the Son of God, God himself, fully God, yet fully man, he came to show us you understand there are things that are truly written in this Bible, that, but that doesn't make them truth. If you think this Bible doesn't have contradictions, I'm sorry. If you think everything in this Bible is perfect, I'm sorry. <laughs> in the last couple of years, we have so many people walk away from the faith because they found a contradiction in the Bible. Well, good for you. I can find 30 of them if you want them. But it doesn't mean that our God's not perfect, nor it doesn't mean that this is not his word. I can show you how their revelation of God progressed. As time grew, they found out things about God. When you read the Old Testament, Israel was everything but peaceful. Why do you think Jesus came to the planet and he says, love your enemies? Because they did not love their 
That nation did exactly what nations do today. We spy on them. We plundered them. We did everything we could to try to take over. And he says, you're doing it wrong. You've taken my word and you've twisted it. You've read into it or you pulled out from it. So Jesus came along and he tried to show them something that was truly captivating. Which, by the way, Jesus never said, love God's enemies. He said, love You know why? Because God doesn't have enemies. Because Jesus shed his blood, not hoping to save all humanity. Jesus shed his blood to save all of humanity. In other words, when humans look toward God now, they never have to question whether or not how he felt about me. Because the cross is how God felt about us. The cross of Jesus does not reveal how jacked up we were only because we were jacked up. I'll say this. I is jacked up. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I'm glad she's not here today. Says she wasn't feeling well. The cross doesn't show me just how jacked up I was. That's what I heard preached growing up. But nobody never told me the cross also showed me how valuable I was. It's been said that the value of something can only be determined by the price one is willing to pay for it. That being said, what is your value? If I said, Wes, will you, will you give me, I'll sell this to you for $500. He would say, Pastor Josh, you are insane. Out of your mind. That beanie's too tight. <laughs> now, I'll sell it to Jason for $500. He would say, Pastor Josh, I can go right now to Onque and pick me one up for, you know, $175. Tiffany, will you give me? No. I'm telling you, it's worth $500. Actually, it's not. It's only determined, value is only determined by the price somebody's willing to pay for something. What is the value of a human being to to Yahweh? It's the life of his son. Jesus came to show us something so captivating, so alluring, so transformative. That young lady said, why come everybody in your country does not go to church? I read that in that book and I started like, man, you know what? I got those same questions now. I got those same questions now. I was sharing how I talked to Amanda this morning who's teaching our kids right now. She said her kids, they, they hate the thought when they hear the word Christianity. They just, you know, they hate it. I don't know how old some of them are. I know some of them are teenagers, some maybe a little bit older. She said, but I invited one of my, I got one of my boys to come a few weeks back to church. Well, she said, it's a miracle. I was taking a big chance, but they came. She said, you know what? She said, he absolutely loved it. Then she said that she said, and he can't stop talking about it. It wasn't how dynamic our sermons were. It sure wasn't how great our stage is. I'm telling you, I know it wasn't that. Maybe he was blown away by the unique print we have on this 30-year-old carpet. Wes, maybe he was blown away by my very own, (laughs) Chris and I handmade these, I don't know what you call them, things we got over the windows, but anyway, he wasn't blown away by that, I promise you. Maybe he actually encountered the Jesus of Scripture, and even though he has said for years, I really hate anything to do with Christianity. You, you, You remember the famous statement of Mahatma Gandhi? He said, I love Jesus. I just don't like Christians because they're nothing like him. 
throw something. I just feel better about myself. I want to throw my Bible so bad. I just... Do you... I've said this before. I, ladies, how would it make you feel if I said, I love your face, but I hate your body? You understand Jesus says... Paul says of Jesus, he is the head of the church, and the church is his. People don't dislike Jesus because of the face. People are not captivated by our faith because they've encountered us. I live in Twin Oaks. Okay? I say this all the time. I own my street. If my neighbors don't love Jesus, I take that personally to me. Because one, they've never met him unless they meet him through one of his children. So I am the man of, kind, the man of kindness on my street. I'm the man of compassion on my street. I'm going to be... You know, I love saying this. I love having all the kids at my house, even though it drives me crazy sometimes. Why do I? Because I want my neighbors to know there's something different about these people that live in this house. You can send your kids over there, and they can eat all of their Doritos, and they don't get upset. Sometimes I do, but I'm like, you know, just like. <laughs> I was talking to my friends Wes and Vanessa. They, I mean, they're, they're, their neighborhood, they got like 40 kids on there. You said on your street? Something like that. It's, it, they got a trailer park on their street. I'm like, how did you get out these kids? It's crazy. It's insane. They, 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 they made me a lot wiser. They said, don't be buying them individual Gatorades. You better start buying the powder. And Megan, I'm like, that's wise. Right there. Like, why? That's why. But I, I want my neighbors to know that there's something different about them. And we don't hang a big sign over the front door that says, we are followers of Jesus and we own a 1611 King James Bible and we pastor the church on 15th and Kelly. It's called the way you should come. We don't do that. That's not very captivating. I'm going to tell you what is captivating. Love without a hook. That's, that's extremely captivating. Why doesn't everybody in your country go to church, she asked. Well, there's a lot of answers to that. Jesus Christ came as God's representative. Because he came to represent him. Representative. 2,021 years ago to show us how and where we were missing it. He came to remove us from a temporary old covenant. It was meant to be temporary from the start to the finish. Paul actually calls it obsolete. What? Jesus. Why would I want to live up under something that was passed away? I don't want to marry nobody that passed away. If I said, Cameron... Man, your phone, you need a new phone. I want to take you to the phone store and buy you a new phone. I take you to the phone store and I buy you a new phone. Before you leave the store, what are you going to say about this phone? This is going to be now your what phone? And that's going to be your what? You know, your Bible is divided into an old phone and a new phone. This was, this would have been new until Jesus came. And he said, now I make him with you. A new covenant. Now, if you choose to still use this phone, even though I got you this phone, does it take away from the new? You're just missing benefits from the new. 
The old covenant, though, is what they lived up under, but it was, it, it was meant to pass away. It was never meant to last forever. So Jeremiah prophesied and said, the days are come where I will make a new covenant with you, says the Lord. And let's, let's be honest, most of us have never had anybody set us down and tell you why this book is divided into two halves. And we pass these out like candy on a Sunday morning, and really we don't educate people as to why or what this book really is. Do you know this book has been used to start more wars than anything else? Horrific wars. Mainly when they pull from the old covenant, which wasn't written to you and me anyway. It was written for yous, but not to yous. It was written to ancient Israel. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he came and at his last meal with his disciples, he said, I'm bringing you guys into the new covenant. And they knew exactly what he was saying. We have been waiting on this day to happen. And what are some traits about this new covenant that made it so attractive? What was this guy, Jesus? How could he just say, come and follow me and everything begin to shift? Understand, even though they followed Jesus for three and a half years, these truths that he was giving them did not just easily rest in them because his people had lived upon the old covenant for some 2,000 years or more so you're going to tell me to love my enemies and that ain't what Moses told me yeah but he said but now I'm telling you whoa no you can't you can't you can't talk about brother Moses like that Jesus edited their scripture all the time he said to you but now I'm telling you those were fighting words legitimately fighting words. Those were words that got people stoned in the days of Jesus and he did it without bother, being bothered by it. Remember, if you go back, <laughs> if you try to pull from an old covenant when you're living up under a new, because the Bible said you die to the old and you're married to the new, it's like you're flirting around with Moses on Jesus. Well, 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 yeah. I'm about to start hooping up in here. I'm telling you, like. <laughs> Why is our faith supposed to be captivating? Oh, my goodness. Jesus, help me with this. One, from the scripture that we read today, Jesus asked them to come and follow him. If you're taking notes, write this down. If your faith is going to be captivating, it's going to require a willingness to pursue Jesus in all of his truth. It's going to require willingness to pursue Jesus in all of his truth. It just is. Jesus understood, I'm taking people that have lived upon their old covenant. And by the way, Jesus was an old covenant figure. He lived under the old covenant. You understand that? The new covenant essentially didn't start until after the cross. There's a lot of things even Jesus said. If you try to live them out, they ain't going to go good for you because even those were uttered under the old covenant. That's, man, Jesus. That's why, <laughs> that's why when Paul says you got to know how to rightly divide truth, he's not saying just understand Greek and Hebrew. He's speaking to people that he understood lived upon their old covenant. Here's rightly dividing truth. Find out what is old covenant and find out what is new and do not mix and mingle because when you mingle two covenants, you get the benefits of neither. 
Why did James tell the people of his day, don't be double-minded? Double-minded what? Old and new covenant. Don't be double-minded. He said, if you are double-minded, you know what he says? He says, you will be unstable in all of your ways. Nothing to go good for you. Jesus knew that it would require a willingness to pursue him and his teaching, even though truth will. My father always used to say this. He said, truth will beat the hell out of you before it saves you. I'm like, whoa. Right? What about this? Truth will always offend your mind to reveal to you your true heart. So truth does. It offends you. But boy, it will lead you into some legitimate green pastures. So what are some things practically these guys had to do? Well, they had to leave something that they knew was from God, yet temporary, into something new that they weren't so sure of. How did they get forgiveness in the days of Jesus? What? What's that? Sacrifices. Go bring you a calf. If you're really poor, get a turtle dove, something you could afford. We're about to have a bloodbath. But yet Jesus walked up to people, no sacrifice at all. And by the way, Jesus was not legitimately a priest like he came through the priesthood priest. Only priests could do that. Jesus walked up to people and he would say, Malik, your sins are forgiven. Everybody's like, oh, no, he didn't. You need to stick to building tables. You leave the forgiven stuff up to the Pharisees. You need to stop doing that. And he would just, your sins are forgiven you. What? Jesus, you can't be doing that. No, but I'm doing it. And one, one, one guy asked the question. They said, I'm talking about captivating. One guy asked the question. They said, who do you think you are that you can walk around and tell people to forgive, that their sins are forgiven? You're not a priest. So Jesus tells a a guy that was lame one time, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Even right now, if you're hearing this and you're struggling with it, it's okay. But let the truth that your heart knows to be true seep seep in here. This is what got me. They said, you can't be telling people that. As he tells a lame man, your sins are forgiven you. And he stands up and he looks at them. He says, I did this so that you might know that I have power on earth, not just to forgive sins. (laughs) but also to heal people. So the man that he just said was forgiven, he says, oh, also, get up and take up your bed and walk. And the guy that had never walked, Jesus, a guy that had never walked got a walk he never had. An evidential fact that he had been forgiven is that Christ gave him a walk he never had before. And the religious people said, you can't do that. But everybody else around was captivated. And the Bible says Jesus' fame began to grow so much so that he could no longer publicly go into open cities. But he had to hang out in the wilderness areas or the outside parts of any city. It requires a willingness to pursue his way. And his way is you don't got to bring any more sacrifices to be forgiven. Is anybody grateful for that? I didn't see nobody bring a turtle dove up in here this morning or a goat. Matter of fact, one guy brought a dog up in here once and I said, bro, I appreciate it, but uh, I don't know where you came to church from, but we don't do that here. (laughs) 
I appreciate it. They don't got to take an animal and slit his throat and then bust him open in the middle and take out his interest. And I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I don't have to do all of that. But what does that mean to us practically? I have been so challenged by truth. I mean legitimate truth in the last five years of my life. But it's, it, it, it initially is the, some of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But the freedom it brings me to Christ. The encounters I've gotten through Jesus from it. The beauty of his word to me now. They just swell up on the inside of me all the time. I don't have to have a good church service to cry anymore. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm pursuing him in his way of thinking. To them, Jesus asked them to leave the old and embrace the new. Man, that was difficult. But it was captivating to everybody else. What else was captivating about their faith? One, there was a whole lot of healing in it. A, the, rarely did the Pharisees heal anybody. They had prophets that healed people. But Jesus comes, this Jewish carpenter, you know, walking around just healing people. Like, that, what happened a couple weeks? That was normal. That was an everyday thing for Jesus. You could not have gotten bored around Jesus. Because some days he's going to be walking on what? Some days he's going to be calming the what? Other folks are going to be climbing trees just to try to, 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 to look at him. Like, is that man? Who is this guy, right? He was multiplying fish and bread. Jesus was amazing. He gave kingdom realities and things that happened in the old covenant occasionally with Elijah or occasionally with Moses or occasionally with Joshua or occasionally for Abraham. They became every days with Jesus. Because faith was meant to be captivating. Captivating. I can remember um, early 2001. When I, that's when I mentally I can remember getting born again. Um, Taylor, if you want, man, just come play. Something just softly for me. We're fixing to wrap up here. But I can remember sitting on my, my bedroom floor with my Bible. <laughs> my mom and dad hadn't been long, got a divorce, and uh, he was a pastor. He left home, and he left the King James Bible there. That's the only... Listen, if you, if you got another Bible other than the King's, King James Bible, when I was a teenager growing up, I mean, you was, you was already done. Like, I'm like, serious. Like, you were already done. We were so religious. There was nothing about church that was captivating to me growing up. Nothing. But I got born again. I'm, and I went to this trailer my dad had behind our house. My house was just plywood on the side. I used to get off the bus and I would run inside because I, I was afraid some people would make fun of me. And they did. Just... My dad left his Bible. I started reading the Bible. Somebody just said, you should start reading John. So I didn't even know what, what John was. Grew up in church, knew nothing about the Bible. Nothing. Found it. I was reading 1 John, 2 John. He said, no, no, you need to read St. John. I don't know what St. John is. And show me what St. John was. And so I just started reading St. John. And I, I'm not even out of chapter 1. I get to verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God. He was talking about Jesus, though. Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And that's when I recognized, man, he, he came to take away my sin. And that was past 
exists. That's 2,000 years ago. Whoa, man, this is crazy. That captivated me. I also grew up in a faith where they didn't really believe that, you know, Jesus talked to people again. Well, I was hearing things in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I just thought I'm having thoughts, but I now know that was Jesus talking to me. But the lenses that were put on me as a boy prevented me from knowing that was Jesus. Because I was told he doesn't do that anymore. But I'm telling you, he was kicking down every mental roadblock that was put on me. And I would sit at home on my bedroom floor and I was reading through the gospel of John. And I I remember reading the first miracle of Jesus. He turned water in him and I think, how cool was that? I keep on reading, I read, he heals a centurion's son. He wasn't even a, a Jewish man. How cool is that? And you just keep on reading them before long. I'm like, man, you're racking up all this healing stuff. Is this real? Do you like really encounter people this way? And I didn't even know it. Even at the age of 18, I was getting these gentle nudges in my soul. He was saying, come on, son, I'm calling you out of that way of thinking you've had about me. Come, I'm more real than that. I'm more real than that Baptist lens that you have on. I'm more real than your Pentecostal lens that you have on. I'm more real than your AME Zion lens that you got on. I'm more real than your Presbyterian lens that you got on. I'm more real than your non-denominational because that's become a denomination now. I'm word made flesh. Are you hearing? Are you hearing? Are you hearing the voice in the voice? I'm telling you there is something that is so captivating about Jesus. But it may require you and me leaving something. And it does not mean that the way you and I grew up was evil. You understand that when my kids come up and when my grandkids come up, I hope to God they have more revelation about God than what I do right now at 38 years old. And I hope, I hope they say things like, my dad followed Jesus to the best of his ability based off what God was telling him. But my ceiling doesn't become their ceiling. My ceiling becomes their floor. And they can be where they are in life because of where we took them. I know people, they do not desire you to go any further than that. That is not my heart. Hear hear me. As the lead follower of this house, I want to get beneath you. And I want to push you further into the things of God. Into your marriage. Into your business. For your finances. On behalf of your kids. For the sake of our community. Why? And I want to do it for a generation that's yet to be born. So that, you know, I don't know how many people have driven by this church in the last two hours that we've been in this building. But most of them, they're not captivated by driving by. When you read this book, you understand that Jesus Christ of Nazareth did two miracles in the New Testament. He did two inside of a church. Dos. And from the book of Acts to the the book of Revelation, there is not one mention of any miracle ever that Jesus did. Do you know why? Because the lifestyle of Jesus was not meant for you and I to be worshipped. Rather, he wanted his lifestyle... To become ours. Watch this. So that our lives become as captivating to the people in our day as his was in his day. Acts 17, 28 says that Paul says to the pagans, he says that in Jesus we live, we move, we have our being. In Jesus we live, we move, we have our being. One more time. In Jesus we live, we move, we have our being. Now because of that truth, 
Now in us, Jesus lives. He moves. He has his being. So, that man that got his arm healed, it just wasn't because he saw a sexy brown guy that prayed for him a couple weeks ago. I mean, all that's true. Don't get me wrong. Mighty God, Father. Yes, Lord. Speak that my wife believes that in Jesus' name. Right? She calls me caramel. She, she's not here, but she'll listen to the podcast and be like, I can't believe you said that. Wes, we got each other these onesies for Christmas. And hers is, well, both of ours, they're like Skittle flavored, uh, Skittle, Skittle colored. And I was like, babe, you know, I like Skittles. She's like, she has no clue where I'm going. She's like, duh. I was like, you know, I like the taste of rainbow, you know. She's looking at me like, will you shut up? Some of y'all going to get that tomorrow, but I just bless you with that revelation in Jesus' name. Let me ask you something. Bless where you came from, but don't let where you came from be your ending point. Jesus never dishonored the law of Moses because it was given by God. Listen, I'm so grateful for my parents. Grateful. Because without them, I will not be the man I am today. But even they don't want, they don't want their ceiling to become my ceiling. I'm going to end here. Let Romans 8.14 be a reality where Paul writes, and he said, The sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will do more than lead you to church. <laughs> He will lead you out of some things and into some new things. But it will require a willingness to embrace things you don't fully understand yet. And that's where I'm living at in every way. But I trust him because he's a faithful shepherd. Come on, stand to your feet with me. If you're in this room this morning and Man, you haven't discovered the beauty of Jesus. He's the forgiver of sins. He's the one that wants to stop as many people as he can from going to this place that we call hell. He's the one that wants you to spend eternity with him in a place called heaven, but he's also the one that wants to do life with you now. He'll take you as you are, but he's not content with leaving you as you are. He'll embrace you as a gossiper. Come on. He'll embrace you as an adulterer. He'll embrace you as a fornicator. He'll embrace you as a person that has wandering eyes. He'll embrace you as a person that has an angry attitude. He'll embrace you as a person that has a whole lot of hurts. And you're like, it doesn't matter. He'll take you any kind of way that you are. That's my God, man. He still takes me in those same situations. He just does not want to leave us there. And that gentle call, 2,021 years ago, the call of captivated started with this, come and follow me. We didn't even get there how we went on a mountain and he called people to come be with him. But the call still the same. Would you just come be with me? And as you come and be with me, you're going to be challenged in a good way. I'm going to lead you to life. 
Come on, just for a moment, every head bowed. Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness to this house today. I'm amazed at your goodness, but I'm so moved by your truth. I'm moved by the man Jesus. I'm moved by the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's someone in this room today that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, I know that you're wooing them. I know that you're speaking to their heart today. And I ask that right now, Jesus, you would seal in their heart the fact that you love them and the fact that, yeah, that is me. I am calling you. I am calling you. I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus this morning. The truth is, he already has faith in you. But are you willing to, by faith, put your trust in him? That's the reality marker for all of us in this room today. I'm going to count to three minutes. That's you. Just a simple acknowledgement of that to me is just a raising of your hand. And I would love to pray with you. One, two, three. If that's you and you want to put faith in the man that we call Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Together as a family, can we do this? Can we say, Lord Jesus, we still trust you. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that you're Savior. I believe you died for my sins so that we can live with you and live for you all of our life. I believe that and I confess that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.